right, are we good? Awesome. Was I mistaken or was that a Chuck Norris like quick, like a subliminal message from Chuck Norris up there? That was awesome. Hey, um, awesome. Hey, can we put our hands together? Welcome everyone watching online, church online tonight. Really glad to have you. And uh, it looks like everyone got the memo, 7.30 p.m. Who showed up early? You did not know that we're now at 7.30. It's all good, you're early, right? Early bird gets the worm or something like that. And so um, it's great that everyone is here. We are now 7.30 p.m. Uh, for the rest of the year. In fact, starting tonight, there are only 10 services left for sub 30. Only 10 more. Who's like gonna make the commitment? I'm going 10 out of 10. I'm gonna be here 10 for 10, 100%. Um, you couldn't do that at any class at UNF, like I know you couldn't. And so, uh, so 100% here though, and that's a good place to do it. Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to the book of Mark. We're gonna get there in just a second. I don't know if our switching to 7.30 affected the Jaguars, um, but God, God help them. So, because uh, Brady just abused them. Uh, but uh, definitely something was probably wrong with the footballs, and so we're all good. It'll go to court later. But, um, Anyone, anyone loving football season now that football's back? Are the Gators happy that they got the W? Are there any Tennessee fans in the house? All right, all right, all right, all right. Any, any UCF fans? UCF, yeah, we beat you guys. We beat you guys. Gamecocks, Gamecocks all the way. Uh, we're, we're currently pulling up uh, the very last spot in the East. <laughs> But uh, we're, we're gonna get there in Jesus' name. So, awesome. Hey, Mark chapter six is where we're gonna start tonight. It'll come up on the screen. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's all good. So this is so loud, excuse me. But uh, starting in verse 45, it says this. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him uh, to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. So the the guys, the disciples out in the boat, Jesus is alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by, but when they saw him on the lake, the lake they thought he was a ghost and they cried out because, all, uh, because they all saw him and they were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely Amazed. One more verse of scripture tonight in James chapter four, starting in verse seven, just two, two verses, seven and eight. It says this, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Who's ever heard that verse before? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I, I love that passage of scripture. We're gonna talk about it some tonight. I, I love what it says right there. It says, look, when you, when you resist the devil, he flees. But when you draw near to God, he comes even closer than that, and, and that's what we're gonna talk about a little bit tonight, and if you like taking notes, I've entitled tonight's message, Motion Sensitive God. We serve a motion sensitive God. We're gonna pray, and then we're gonna get into it tonight. So Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that every time we open up the Bible, God, it never leaves us the same. Those who don't wanna be the same don't have to be the same because your word is powerful and it transforms us. God, we thank you that that will be accomplished here tonight. You're gonna speak to people. We're gonna see things we've never seen before in scripture, God. We're gonna maybe even gonna hear some things we've never heard before, God, and it is going to make us look more like Jesus Christ. It's going to propel our relationship forward with you. We believe this and uh, we pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen? Amen. Hey, um, 
back in the 1950s, when none of us were alive, um, in the 1950s, there was a new development on the scene, and it was motion sensor objects, right? Motion sensor objects. So like motion sensor doors, you know what I mean? Like you walk into Walgreens and the door opens, it's a motion sensor door. All this kind of stuff, all the development was back in the 50s, right? Motion sensor water faucets, motion sensor toilets, motion sensor hand dryers. In the 50s, it was being developed. But in the 80s, we started seeing this in airports. Anyone remember like when you're maybe really, really young traveling with your parents, airports were the first to have these motion sensor type objects. And by the time the 2000s rolled around, we're starting to see these, these types of objects in, in community centers and even churches and arenas and in all sorts of places. Big uh, centers of business started having all of these motion sensory objects. And I'll never forget the very first time I sat on a motion sensor toilet. I don't know if you can think back that far. Um, you remember like they, they look all sorts of ways now, but I remember like, let's just you know, say this was it. This would be a really high toilet. I don't know if that would be comfortable, but, um, but, but like they used to have like on the back, there used to be like a little like black square. You remember like the black square? I remember when I was a little kid, I didn't really know what that was. I thought, my God, is this a camera? Like this is, I don't, I don't know if it, if it is, they're about to get a full moon. You know what I mean? So I don't. I don't know, is that a camera? I don't know, how does it, how does it work? You know, and you're, you're kinda like freaked out, where's the handle? I don't know, but I really gotta go. And so like, you know, you sit down on, on the toilet, you're doing your business, whatever. It's a motion sensor toilet. I'll never forget though, it was that first time where like you just kinda leaned forward a little bit and it went ahead and flushed on its own. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, Lord Jesus, what in the, what in the world? What is happening, you know what I mean? I mean, it scared you to death. You know, especially if like it caught you kind of like mid-handling your business, your hand was still in the toilet or something. So that's why I never shake hands with people coming out of the restroom. You know, you better wash those hands. So, but, but it's motion sensor, motion detected kind of stuff. And, and I think we see it all over the place now. I mean, here at, at Celebration Church, we even have all of this stuff in our restrooms here at church, but you know, I think the most common motion sensor thing today is still, is still the water faucet, right? Like you walk into some restrooms, maybe the, the toilets aren't that way, maybe they don't have hand dryers that are that way, but the water faucets these days are almost always motion sensor. And I've noticed a, a couple things about motion sensor water faucets. The first one is this, if you want water pressure to start, then you have to move. Right, you, like you, you gotta put your hand under the thing and, and you, gotta, you gotta move your hand around. Like sometimes you feel like an idiot, right? And it's not, you're like, my God, I feel like a, I'm a wizard. I don't know how to, what do I gotta do? You're like, you know, this one doesn't work. And I'm like, this one doesn't work either, my God. You know, like, you know, and so all, you're like, you, you, if you want it to start, you have to move. And, and here's the second principle. If you want the water to continue flowing, then you have to keep moving. It's going to stop eventually. Like most of them only have a, a certain amount of designated water coming out with one movement. And so if you want it to continue, you have to keep moving. The second I stop moving, the water pressure stops. The second I stop moving, but as soon as I move again, it's, it's right there. It, in other words, it never went anywhere. I just have to keep moving. The, the water pressure was there the whole time. I gotta keep moving. You see, Psalm 30, I think this presents an amazing parallel for our spiritual lives. You see, if you wanna keep having water pressure, then you have to keep moving. And in the same light, if you want continued Holy Spirit power in your life, you have to keep moving in your relationship with God. If you want it to start, then you gotta move. 
If you want it to continue, then you have to keep moving in your relationship with Jesus if you want that Holy Spirit presence and power in your life. That's why the Bible says, hey, when you draw near, what happens? He draws near. When you take a step, God starts moving. He's a motion-sensitive God. When you start moving towards him, God starts immediately moving and bringing Holy Spirit presence and power to your life. Think of it like this. Your motion is God's trigger to move in your life. Your motion is God's trigger to move in your life. You see, we can even see this in the salvation process when we first come to Jesus. Think about it like this. Um, Like God has grace, Right? Think about when someone gets saved, right? Faith and grace colliding in a moment of salvation. God has grace, but it's predicated on you exercising your faith first. In other words, God's like, hey, you take a move. I, I, I got the grace over here to cover a multitude of sins. I got the grace for your life. Uh, your past will be dead and gone. I got brand new waiting for you, but it's predicated on are you gonna take a step of faith first? It's not, does he have grace? Oh, he has it, but are you ready to move towards it? Are you ready to put faith in motion toward God? I'll even say it like this. Um, just like the, the water faucet, all you have to do is, is move your hand a little bit and the water starts flowing a lot of bit. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's all it takes, Sub Dirty. When you just start making some, some simple, tiny, little movements toward God, I'm here to tell you, he starts rushing towards your life. This is what God does. He's a motion-sensitive God. And I love the story we read in Mark chapter six about Jesus walking out on the water. He did it a couple times in scripture, but in this particular story, the Bible says that Jesus is walking out on the water in the midst of a storm, right? Disciples out on the boat, doing their thing. They're in the middle of the lake, the Bible tells us. Land is, is not close. Middle of the lake, storm comes, wind is picking up, waves everywhere. Here comes Jesus just kind of moseying on out on the water, and the disciples are freaking out. But watch what your Bible says. The Bible says Jesus was about to pass them by until they cried out. He was about to, to walk right by them on the water until they cried out. And then Jesus stops, right? They cry out, hey, 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 man. They, like, they didn't know, is it, is it a ghost? Is it, hey, what, hey, what's up? What, come on, come on, who is it? You know, Jesus walks over, they cry out, he walks over, he gets into the boat, and what happens to the storm the second Jesus gets into the boat? Completely dies down, completely stops. Sub 30, listen to me. It's amazing how quickly the storms of life can come to complete calm and peaceful state when you just make a little bit of motion toward Jesus. You just make a little bit of effort. You make a little bit of motion towards Jesus and when he comes close, the storm dies down. This is what Jesus does. He's a motion sensitive God. Are you making motion towards Jesus? In fact, the more motion you make, the calmer the storm can become. The more motion you make, the the calmer the storm can become. You see, I I wrote this down. How is that possible? Because let me give you some deductive reasoning here. Um, If my motion towards Jesus is what activates his motion toward me, then that means the more I move toward him, the more he's moving toward me, and that means the larger he is now getting in my sights. The the more I'm calling out, 
The more I'm, I'm taking action towards Jesus, the more I'm stepping out in faith towards Jesus, towards a life devoted to Jesus, he is now coming closer and nearer to me, which now means Jesus is getting bigger and bigger in my sights. And now the storm is in the background because Jesus is in the foreground, and now Jesus is all I see. The storms of life aren't as big as you thought they were. All you gotta do is start taking steps towards Jesus. They're not as big as you thought. When Jesus comes close, he now takes over your visual perception, whatever, whatever you're looking at. And then I couldn't find the word there for a second, so just make them up as I go along. It's what preachers do. So. But, but here he is now, and Jesus has now drawn so close that the storm is so far behind. I'm not focused on the storm anymore because Jesus is, is here and he's near to me. I, I love that he is emotion-sensitive God, and, and Jesus is about to walk by them, but they cried out. They cried out, and Jesus drew near to them. And as I typically do, I wanna give you some teaching points along the way. Hopefully, it'll be a blessing to you tonight, some practical things as well. And, um, and yeah, ho- ho- if you wanna write some stuff down, let's, let's write some stuff down and allow God to, to speak to us. So number one tonight is this. Um, first thing you need to understand, it's not up to God, it's up to you. It's not up to God, it's actually up to you. You see, in some cases, sub 30, not, not all, a lot, of, a lot of things when it comes to God, I don't like to make like big generalization sweeping statements, but in some cases, listen, dependency on God means a dependency on your actions. That's why the Bible says when you draw near, he draws near. I, I'm dependent on God, but it also means I, I need to take some steps. I need to get to movement. I'm dependent on my actions if I want God to continue drawing near to me, he's emotion sensitive God. The worst thing you can do at times when you're needing God to do a work in your life is sit and wait. I think people sit and wait on God far too often when the best thing you can do is actually pick yourself up, move and walk towards him. And he comes near. Think of it like this, right? You, you draw near, he draws near. So in other words, you gotta put some effort in if you wanna get something out. You gotta put some effort in if you wanna get something out. And, and hear me tonight, um, this is by no means equal. Like, like you'll never outgive God. You, you'll never put more in than God does. Like you're gonna put your effort in, he's always gonna match it and do way more than you did. Like you're never gonna, it's not equal whatsoever. But in other words, you gotta put some effort in. He'll always take more steps toward you than you ever take toward him. But it doesn't escape us from having to take some steps. You still gotta take some steps. I know too many people, I wrote down kind of an example to maybe make this real for you. I know too many people who say, um, God, if you're real, God, God, if you're real, then, then you, you prove it. They, right? they sit back, they cross their arms, you know, they're gonna pout until, God, God, if you're real, then you prove it and I'll start serving you when you start showing. I, I fear that the person that has this posture is gonna be waiting a long time. They're gonna be waiting a long time. You see, they, maybe, maybe if they're far from God, maybe they don't know enough of the Bible to get this reference, but I think there's too many people out there that think that they're gonna be like the next Apostle Paul when it comes to how they meet Jesus, right? Here's Paul, his name's Saul back then. He's on, his, he's on the Damascus Road going to kill Christians, right? Totally against the things of God. He's killing the people of God, but on this road, Jesus appears to him. It's like a blinding light experience, and then all of a sudden it's like, aha, oh wow, Jesus, you're real. You, you exist, okay, yeah, totally, following you, absolutely, let's, let's do this thing. And I think too many people think they're gonna get the next Apostle Paul thing. I, I think that's more the exception than rather the rule. 
I, I, I think, because here's the deal. I read scripture and I see far more many examples of pe people who found when they sought. When you seek, you will find. But yet we have a generation who wanna post up in the college years, they wanna sit back like this and they say, God, you better pull a rabbit out of the hat if I'm fixing to serve you. I think this type of person is gonna be sitting and waiting a long time where if you really wanna experience God, if you really wanna know who he is, then you will seek and you will find is what the scripture tells us because he's motion sensitive. When you start putting one foot in front of the other, God starts walking into your life and doing amazing things. He's motion sensitive God. I, write this down if you're taking notes. Listen, critical sitters don't find God very often. Critical sitters don't find God very often, but consistent seekers find God a lot. Oh, they find God a lot when they consistently seek. You see, we can even find this principle in many areas of life, life right? Like, like you gotta put something in if you wanna get something out. We, we can see this in all other areas of life. For instance, um, what you get out of marriage is what you put into it. It's true, like maybe, maybe most of you in here aren't married, you better remember that one. Whatever you get out of marriage is what you put into it. What you get out of friendship is what you put into it. You want friends, you gotta show yourself, you gotta be friendly if you want friends. What you get out of church is what you put into it. I, I, know, I know people sometimes, and, and whether they're at Celebration or I, I know people who are all over the, the nation at other churches, and sometimes I hear people in our generation in their 20s and 30s, and they'll say things like, man, I'm just not getting anything out of this church that I'm at right now. I'm not, I'm not getting anything out of it. And my next question is, well, what are you putting into it? What, what, what are you putting into it? Because what, what you put in is what you're gonna get out. Well, I'm, Pastor Clay, I'm just not getting nothing out of this church. Well, are you on a serving team? No. Well, are you involved in a group? No. Well, well do, you, do you at least attend every single week? Well, I don't know, 50%. Well, it doesn't sound like you're putting a whole lot in, so it's no wonder you're not really getting a whole lot out. What you put in is what you get out. You gotta start taking steps. Bottom line is, is this. If you want some God movement in your life, then you gotta start taking some movement toward God. You gotta take movement toward God. The Bible said Jesus almost passed them by, but then they cried out. You know, just for me, sub 30, I'm, I'm 30 years old, you guys know that, but, but man, God forbid I, I ever live my life in such a way that, that Jesus is, is walking by and he has blessings stored up, he has miracles, he has opportunities and promotion and elevation, but it's completely passing me by because I didn't have enough passion in me to call out and make some movement toward God. Like, like, thank God the disciples made some movement. Thank God they cried out. I mean, Jesus would have straight walked by, and I don't know if their boat would have capsized in the storm or whatever, but man, God forbid he'd be right there beside you, but you didn't open your mouth. You didn't take a step. You didn't, you didn't seek, and therefore you didn't find what was available to come into your life, man. Motion-sensitive God. Look at Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Verse 14, it says this, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. This is a, a powerful verse. I think if you grew up in church, you've probably heard this verse a number of times. I know I have probably a million times for real. Like I hear this verse all the time. It's powerful, it's amazing, I love it. But check this out. This is what I call an if-then verse. It's an if-then verse. In other words, if you do this, then he'll do that. 
An if-then verse, and an if-then verse implies somebody has to move. And that somebody in 2 Chronicles chapter seven is you. Somebody has to move. If you want what God has, somebody's gotta make a move if you do this, if you make some movement, if you take some steps, if you call out, then look what I have in store for the person who is ready to, to take some movement toward me. Make a move toward Jesus. Number two, the second thing tonight is this. If you want some action, you have to take action. If you want some action, you have to take action. Some of y'all are like, man, Pastor Clay, I've been doing that every Friday night at the bar, for real. Like, I just not, I'm taking action. I just can't, know. Not like that, not like that, so. If you want some action, you have to take action. Uh, growing up, I played primarily basketball and soccer was like my, my thing uh, growing up. And uh, loved it, played on a lot of different teams, club teams, school teams, the whole deal, whatever. And uh, and I remember, you know, sometimes I would, I would get on some teams and, and I, I heard teammates growing up, middle school, high school, even into college, stuff like that. Some, some people would go to the coach and they would say, coach, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not getting a lot of touches on the ball. Coach, I'm not, I'm not in the game. I just, I, I want to be more involved. I, I want to score some more points. I just want to be more involved in, in what is happening. And sometimes the coach would look at them and he would say, hey man, here's what you need to do. You need to learn how to move without the ball. You got to learn how to move without the ball. In other words, if, if you move without the ball, then at some point, at some time, the ball is gonna find you at the right place and the right time, but you have to move without the ball. If you sit and stand, ain't nobody passing you the ball. You, you gotta learn how to move without the ball. Sub 30, I think that's an amazing spiritual lesson for us. If you want some action, you gotta take action. In your spiritual life, you need to learn how to move without the ball. You need, and the ball represents the blessing, the miracle, the opportunity, the provision, the elevation. Even though it's not in your hands right now, I'm gonna keep taking some steps. I'm gonna keep moving. I'm gonna keep positioning myself because at the right time, in the right place, with the right people, God is gonna bring it into my hands. And it's gonna be an amazing thing when it gets there, but I'm telling you, if you sit and wait, ain't no ball coming to you. No, one, no one's passing the ball to the teammate that's just standing. But the person that wants to get involved and move and act, take action, man, I'm telling you, it'll come your way a whole lot quicker than you thought. Sub 30, in our pursuit of Jesus, you have to learn how to move without the ball. If you want God movement, you have to take some movement toward God. I, I know you want all of the blessing and favor and miracles and all that stuff, but I'm, I'm telling you, move towards Jesus now, even without those things, and in due season, watch those things come into your life. Jesus can do that work. Look at Mark chapter five. I wanna read a quick story to you. We got like 11 minutes left. Mark chapter five, verse 24, it says this, a large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus, and a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, right? It's a long time to have an issue going on. And she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, spent all the money she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, she touched his cloak because she thought, man, if I touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and he asked, hey, who touched my clothes? And you see people crowding against you, the disciples answered. Like, in other words, Jesus, like everyone's touching you. It's a big crowd of people. You're, you're big time now. You know, everyone's trying to, to, to touch you. What do you mean, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace 
and be freed from your suffering, right? What an incredible story about a woman who took some steps towards Jesus against all odds, right? Totally, out, totally outcast from society. She's broke, right? Try, try to get help, no doctor can help her. Completely spent all the money she had. This is a last ditch, a last ditch effort to try to get, to, to get some help, right? Makes her way through the crowd, probably on her hands and knees, crawling just to touch the very bottom of Jesus' cloak that he's wearing, and, and she's freed. But the Bible says this. It says four things that really sparked my interest about what we're talking about tonight. It, it said this. It said, first she heard, then she approached, then she touched, and then she was freed. She heard, she approached, she touched, and she was freed. Sub 30, listen to me. The Bible does not say she heard and she was freed. No, 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 you're, you're missing two steps. You're missing two action steps. She, she didn't hear and she was freed. She, she had to approach and touch. Listen, sub 30, faith comes by hearing. The Bible tells us that. Faith comes by hearing, but after that, hearing really doesn't get you much. What, what, what happens is faith comes by hearing, but now that I have faith, my faith should lead me to action. My faith should lead me to, to do something, and I fear that there's too many people sitting in churches all over America, and they're doing a great job hearing, but not a lot of people are doing a great job approaching and reaching out and grabbing hold of what Jesus has for them. <laughs> hearing helps a little, but hearing alone doesn't get you freed. He's emotion-sensitive God. She had to approach, she had to reach out, grab hold, and take some action towards Jesus. Number three, the third thing tonight, it's the last one. Number three is this, it's kind of a question. What is your motion plan? Something you have to ask yourself. What's your motion plan? In other words, if God is a motion sensitive God, then what is your plan on keeping him drawing near to you? Some people might speak up at this part when they hear something like that and deep thinkers and they say, well, well Pastor Clay, I thought God never leaves us. I thought God never forsakes us. So, so what do you mean, like, what do you mean what I gotta do to keep God around? Like, I thought he never left. I, I don't understand what you mean. And it's true, God doesn't leave us and he never forsakes us. But just because God is around doesn't mean that you're receiving anything from him. Case in point, Pharisees. Case in point, the religious people that followed Jesus everywhere but never got a single thing from him. Never received anything from him. Their, their faith was not increased. They didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't receive miracles from Jesus. They didn't re even receive the teaching. They weren't even edified by the teaching of Jesus. Oh, they were there, but they weren't there, if that makes sense. You see, understand this. Um, Jesus engaging your life this is important, you gotta lean in on this one. Jesus engaging your life is not an issue of physical presence, it's an issue of spiritual yearning. Jesus engaging your life is not an issue of physical presence, it's an issue of spiritual yearning. This is why, sub 30, person A and person B can come to the same exact service. And person A is sitting there saying to themselves, man, that, that was, I didn't get anything out of that. I didn't, I didn't get anything out of that message. I, got nothing, I don't even understand what that preacher was saying and that worship. I, don't, I don't, totally don't understand. I don't, I don't get this whole thing. And, and person A leaves having gotten nothing while person B sitting right beside them has 10 pages of notes. Man, they're shouting glory the whole service thinking, my God, this is amazing. I can't believe this. This place is awesome. It's so life-giving. That worship was awesome. Like all this kind of, how could person A and person B be in the same? Because Jesus engaging your life isn't about physical presence. It's about spiritual yearning. 
It's about, see, see, I'm glad you're in the building tonight and you keep coming, man. I'm here, I tell people this all the time, like 90% of this battle, uh, you know, against the, against like uh, us trying to appease our flesh and the enemy and our life and all that, like 90% of the battle is you just keep showing up. You just keep showing up. God's gonna keep doing a work in your life. But hear me, it's gotta go even further than that. I'm glad you're in the building, but every time you come into the building, you gotta be that woman who reaches out, who approaches, who grabs hold of Jesus while you're in his presence. Don't, don't be person A. Don't be person A that leaves and says, I don't know what the fuss is about. I don't, know what the, I don't, even, I don't even know the preacher. And I don't even, I'm just not down with you. Don't be person A, be person B. Be person B who is in the building, but they're engaging God and they're reaching out and they're grabbing hold of Jesus every time they're here. It, it, it's about expectation. It's about faith. What, what you put in is what you're gonna get out. So, so how, much, how much are you going in when you get to church on a Sunday night? How much are you putting into the, to the experience? Because it's gonna equate to what you end up getting out of it. Draw near to God, his presence draws near to us. So, so what's your motion plan? I just wrote down some simple things, like very, very practical motion steps for you. The first one I wrote down was worship. Like, like worship. I, I hope that that before I preach on Sunday nights, that's not the only time you're worshiping during the week. Like, come on, sub 30. We're, we're adults now. We gotta go past that. We gotta get better than that. I, I hope there's worship happening in your car to and from work. I hope it's happening at, at, at the house. You're in the kitchen. You cut the iPod on. You're making dinner. You're making that ramen. You know what I mean? You're making that ramen. But, but you got some worship on, right? You're worshiping Jesus while you're making the ramen. You know, like worship is a way that we show God, God, I'm taking some steps. God, I'm, I'm engaging you. I, I, I'm stepping out. I'm making movement toward you by consistently having worship in my life. You know, things like groups and serving teams. Groups and serving teams. See, see some people, like, like as much as I say it, some people still think, oh, he's just telling me to get in a group because he just wants to say a lot of people are in groups. Yeah, I wanna say it for sure. But, but I'm telling you to get in a group I'm telling you to join a serving team because it's gonna help you. It's showing God that you're taking steps towards him, that you're making motion towards him, and what that does is he now starts drawing nearer and nearer to your life. All of these, it's practical motion steps that we can take to see more of God. Things like mission trips. I love people who go on mission trips. You heard Rebecca in the video talk about mission trips. Man, it's another way that we're showing God, God, I'm, I'm pursuing you. I'm, I'm engaging you, I'm taking steps toward you, participating in corporate gatherings like we have right now. Notice I said participating, not spectating, right? We're participating, we're going all in when we're here, man. Taking steps towards Jesus, he takes steps toward us. As the band comes up and joins me tonight, you know, I thought of um, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 is a familiar passage. It talks about the prodigal son. Uh, even people who like don't go to church know about the prodigal son. It's that popular of a story. We don't have time to read it tonight, but um, you, you kind of know the basis. Um, here's, here's a kid. He, his dad's got some money. He wants his inheritance. Dad, give it to me. Um, it was kind of a slap in the dad's face. By asking for your inheritance early, it was kind of like saying, Dad, I wish you were dead so that I could go ahead and get this cash. So kind of disrespects his dad, takes the money, right? He leaves. The Bible says he left, but then the next thing he did is he squandered. He left and then he squandered, and, and here he is now, he's living and eating with pigs, the Bible tells us. It's pretty low, it's pretty low. You're, you're living and eating with pigs, you're sharing a meal together, but then he had to do something very, very interesting. 
The Bible tells us this, as he's sitting in pig slop in a ditch somewhere, the Bible tells us that he had to take inventory of his life. Something that maybe you need to do tonight as you sit in the seat that you're sitting in. Maybe you need to take inventory of your life. And here he is, prodigal son, taking inventory of his life. Literally what that means is he's like, man, this is, this is where I'm at, like for real. Like my life is, has led to this. And, and once he started taking inventory of his life, man, I ain't got no friends, everybody left me. Don't have any cash, like that, that's all gone, blew that. Got no friends, got no food, got, got no place to go, got no encouraging voice around me right now, helping, helping me with nothing. And he's taking inventory of his life. And, and the Bible tells us this, that when he finally got to the point where he didn't like where he currently was, the only option he had was to start taking steps back to dad's house. It's the only option, is you start taking steps back to the Father. And I love what it says at the end of the story. You can go back and read it. Like I said, Luke 15, the Bible says this. The Bible says he's, he's finally, I mean, you can imagine, right? This, this dude probably looks a hot mess. He is just, he's been through it. He's been through every, like all whole horrible stuff, right? Here he is, he's, he's taking steps. He's, he's walking back to, to dad's house. And the Bible says this, I love it. As he is walking up the driveway, back home, the Bible tells us that the father is now running down the driveway back to the son. You see, I'm not Usain Bolt, but I know that there's a difference between a, a walk and a run. That, that when you run, you're, you're covering more ground at a quicker pace when you're running versus when you're walking. I love it, here's the son, he's in a heap of mess, he doesn't know what to do with his life, I don't know where my life is going, I don't know how it got to this point, but I'm just gonna take some walking steps, but here's the father who represents Jesus Christ, and he's not just taking walking steps, he's taking running steps back to embrace the son that left him in the first place. He's a motion sensitive God, oh, you don't have to take running steps tonight, Sub 30, but if you'll just start putting one foot in front of the other, God's gonna meet you, he's gonna run after you, he's gonna embrace you, he's got grace for you, he's got mercy for you. This is the God that we serve. But you gotta take some steps. You gotta take some steps, just stay standing. He's motion sensitive. Listen, I, I, I have a, a son, Jude. You, you know about Jude, he's awesome. He, he's my world right now. I love him. And here's the deal with Jude. He's, he's just over a year old. And right now, he sits in his crib sometimes and, and he cries, right? He, he's sleeping, but then he wakes up and he starts crying. And I love it because I can see him on the little monitor. We have a video monitor and, and he kind of picks himself up and he, he's, he's standing in the crib and he's crying. Here's what I know about Jude though, having watched him now over and over and over. He's not crying because he's afraid. He's, he's not afraid. He's crying, he's calling out because he knows when he calls out that dad will come in the room. He's not, he's not crying out because of fear. He's crying out for the Father. See, I, I wonder if we could model our life after a one-year-old for just 
a little while maybe and, and maybe you can get yourself to the place where you realize that God's not as far away as, as you think he is. He's just proverbially in the other room and all you gotta do is, is call out. Not because, not because you're afraid or, or you're scared of the future, not, not, not because of that, but you're calling out because you know, man, as soon as I call out, the Father's coming in. As soon as I take a step, Dad's running this way. Like if, if Jude ever, like, like, you, like those of you who are parents, you know, like there's a cry that's just a normal, I woke up, I, I'm ready to start the day cry. And then sometimes you hear a cry that you haven't heard before, and when you hear that cry, you start running. It's not just like the normal mosey on it. Like, you know, I'm telling the truth, Matt. So sometimes it's, Matt's got two kids. Like, like it's true. When you hear something you haven't heard before, you start running. Sub 30, maybe it's even been a long time since God's heard your voice. But man, you call out tonight in a moment where his presence is near, the Father starts running toward you. Come on, with, with every hand up, if you're comfortable, man, let, let's just lift our hands in the presence of God tonight. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you tonight that there are people in this room that are ready to take some steps. God, I thank you that you are motion sensitive. God, I thank you even now with our hands lifted, you are rushing this place. God, you are filling this place with the power of your Holy Spirit. You're moving on people's lives. You're setting people free. You're wrapping people up with grace and mercy and love. God, we call out to the Father tonight in Jesus' name.